Well, how y'all doing? You doing good? Come on now, you can, you can talk to me, it's okay. <clears throat> y'all wearing your smiles real well this morning, that's a good thing. My name's Lonnie, I'm glad to be here. My wife Belinda is somewhere. Um, I can't find her in all this crowd. Oh yeah, she's right back here in the center aisle. Uh, she's the better part. We've been hanging around together now for 48 years and uh, just celebrated our anniversary. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. Uh, she's put up with me, and I thank the Lord for her. She's a great, great lady. I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about prayer and believing, because uh, if you pray and do not believe, really, you've wasted your time. Uh, why are you praying and then not seeking what the Lord may do in response to what you just ask? And so, uh, I believe that while, while I'm saying this, let me ask you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 6. I'll use that as the backdrop for what I shall say to you today. And um, in the time that we have together, trust, uh, trust the Lord to encourage you that you might come to a belief system in Him that's pretty incredible. Because what you believe about God determines your lifestyle. What you believe about God will determine how you pray. Uh, how big is your God? I believe that God sets the boundaries. Uh, if you look in Job 38 and following, you will find this. God and Job had this conversation, and uh, God was asking Job a series of questions. Go something like this, my translation. Job, where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I heaped up the mountains? Where were you when I scooped out the valleys? Where were you when I set the boundaries of the ocean? Job said, I wasn't there. God says, you're right, and you need to settle this one. You don't set the boundaries for God. God sets the boundaries for you. Now, watch this close. When God sets a boundary, all there is of God flows within the boundary he himself will set. That is, God's answer to prayer, God's forgiveness, God's love, any attribute of God you choose will now flow in the boundary that he himself sets. My question is, are you living in the boundary God has set for you, or do you even know the boundary? If you don't know the boundary, then it's difficult to receive the answer to prayer as God continually allows that to flow. And it's all based upon what we believe. Now, I am not here to convince you to do anything, okay? I'm just here to share with you what the Scripture says and give you an opportunity to respond to that which God may say in your heart. We all struggle at some point. But God has the ability to overcome our struggles, no matter how small or large we may perceive them to be. You understand what I'm saying? So now we're in John chapter 6. Let me bring you up to date. Uh, John chapter 6 is the story of the five loaves and two fish. Um, <clears throat> there were 5,000 men. Theologians say there could have been. Let me repeat that. There could have been. I didn't say there were. There could have been as many as 15,000 people in that crowd. Five loaves, two fish. Now, do you really believe that God fed that multitude with five loaves and two fish? Do you believe that? 
You know why you believe it? It's in the book, right? If it's in the book, you got to believe it. Now, <clears throat> let me ask another question, but do not respond to this except in your heart. Do you believe God can now take your life like the disciples with five loaves and two fish and feed the multitude? Now, be careful what you say, because your lifestyle will show what you believe. Can God really take your life with five loaves and two fish and feed the multitude? I believe He can. Not only can He use it, five loaves and two fish, He can feed the multitude with nothing. That's what makes Him God, isn't it? Now, let me come back to this again. Because you either believe what God says, or you do not. And what you believe about God will determine how you pray. Now, is this story a story that we tell our children and grandchildren about, but it really doesn't affect me? If that is true, sir, then the Bible is a myth for you. It is a good story to tell, but it really doesn't affect my life. The Bible says that the Word of God is a living Word. Therefore, it must be alive in you and in me. By the way, um, Jesus did not himself see the miracle that he did. This is what is amazing in this story to me. As was the custom, the rabbi, the teacher, sat on an elevated place, and the congregation and crowd would sit out in front and listen to his teaching. Jesus had the five loaves, two fish. He, he broke the bread, and he gave the fish to whom? He gave it to the disciples, did he not? That's you and me. So the disciples go out into the crowd. Jesus still sitting on the rock. The disciples go out into the crowd, and all of a sudden, as they are taking the bread and the fish to the people, the disciples saw the bread multiplied. The disciples saw the fish multiplied in, in abundance. Jesus still sitting on the rock. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in the process of distributing to you loaves and fish. It may look different, but it's the same concept. Every day he's giving it to you. Now, do you take that and now see the miracle that God does? Or do you hold on to it, believing that God cannot use you to feed the multitude with that which he gives? By the way, just so you think this is a story, I thought, Lord, if this is true in here, it's got to be true here. We serve in central Appalachia, the poor and um, left out in many cases in our area. And uh, when it came to us that the children in our town were hungry, some of them would lose as much as 15 pounds in the summer. Now, listen how we pray. I said, Lord, you'd fed 2 million people in the desert with manna. If you could feed so many with so little, could you teach us how you want to feed hungry mountain kids? I did not ask God to teach me how to feed them. I asked God to teach me how he wanted to feed them. Because God can do more than me. God can do more than you. Can he not? So God began to send us in food from all across America. Most amazing thing I'd ever seen. 
And we were giving away to the people of Appalachia and kids $300,000 worth of food every year. We didn't ask anybody for food, and we didn't ask anybody for money. We just said, God, you show us. And he showed up. You know why? Because I believe if God can do it here, God can do it here. This is not a storybook. This is a real book. So now, he feeds the 5,000. And the Bible says that other boats came into this little place during the night. Jesus went off to pray. The disciples get in the boat, get across the lake. I'm trying to hurry through this. They get across the lake. And the next morning, the people get up, no Jesus, no disciples, and no food. So they jump in these John boats. They head across the lake. Can you imagine it? There's a boat jam on the lake. They get over to the other side, and there they find Jesus, and we pick up the story. In verse 22 of John 6, on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there were no more boats there except the ones which the disciples had entered, and Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away. Let's go down to verse 25. And they found him on the other side of the sea, and they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, totally, totally ignoring the question, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you sign uh, saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, let me give you the, the Harlan County, Kentucky translation of that. You know why y'all here this morning? Because you got a free dinner last night, and you're looking for a free breakfast this morning. Isn't that what he says? And then he goes into this amazing thing that says, do not labor for food. What? Wait. Do not labor for food which perishes. Sir, why do we work 40 to 60 hours every week? Isn't it so we could put food on the table? Put clothes on our back? The Bible says, if you don't work, let him not eat. But he goes on to say this, don't work for stuff that perishes. If you're working 40 to 60 hours a week, sir, for stuff, you're going to get stuff and miss life. God wants you to have life abundantly, but you've got to believe him in the process. You understand what I'm saying? you got to believe him in the process. And then they go on down. Let's go on down through here. <clears throat> Look at uh, verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now, may I put that in context for you? He, they had just seen Jesus feed 15,000, maybe, with five loaves and two fish. They come to him the next morning, and they say, Lord, we want to know how we can do what you did. Isn't that what he says? What is it that we can do that we can do the stuff you do? And here was Jesus' response in verse 29. Amazing response. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Period. You mean all I got to do is believe? If you know Jesus, how did you come to know him? By believing, did you not? The same process. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what this looks like in our life and ministry, if I may, because I think it's real. All you have to do is believe in Jesus, and he will fill in the blanks. My wife and I returned to Lynch, Kentucky in 1999. Maybe you can hear that story later. And when we got to Lynch, Kentucky, our strategy was a blank piece of paper before God. Amazing. Blank piece of paper. We didn't have a clue what God wanted to do, but he did. And so I looked up and down the street. There were 13 empty homes on one block. 
and uh, that we lived on. All the hedges were growing up. You know what hedges are in Indiana, don't you? Well, they're growing up around, they, they grow into trees if you don't trim them. So they were all growing up, 13 empty homes, nobody keeping them. I said, well, the Lord sent me here to help people. Least I can do is help people. So I went down to Walmart and bought me a set of hedge clippers cost $24.99. That's America's story. <laughs> $24.99. I got a 100-foot extension cord, and I just went up and down the street trimming hedges. I didn't knock on the door to see if anybody was home. I didn't ask permission. I figured God sent me here to help. Least I can do is just help people. So I was trimming hedges. And uh, my wife and I were sitting out in the backyard one day. This guy came up and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. He said, we need, uh, we need $75. Family needs some food and need to part from a car. And uh, my response to him was this, man, I don't have $75. But I tell you what, if God gives me $75, I'll let you have it. Pretty good deal, right? I got his information. He went on his way and he thought, I'll never hear from this preacher again. You know, one of them preacher things. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, a couple of days later, my wife and I out in the same backyard working on an old door, and this lady pulls up in a Jeep from Ohio. She gets out and comes up to me, and she crossed her arm and said, I came to pay my bill. I said, well, ma'am, you don't owe me a bill as I know of. I've never seen you before in my life. I don't have a clue who you are. She said, aren't you the guy going up and down the street trimming everybody's hedges? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm doing that because God sent me here. I don't need any money. She said, well, I'll always pay to have my hedges clipped. You did a good job, and I'm going to pay you. She pulled out a $100 bill and laid it on that door. She said, now, if you don't pick up the $100 bill, it's going to lay there. Now, you don't say that to a broke preacher in eastern Kentucky. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to western Sizzling tonight to get me a steak. That's the best we can do in Harlan County, and that was 40 miles away. And as I was going in the house, God spoke to me and said, now, wait a minute. You told that boy if I gave you $75, you'd give it to him. I just gave you 75 I said, Lord, you're right. I went in and sat down on the phone, called that unsuspecting young man on the other end. I said, man, I want you to know God's been good to you. He said, what do you mean? I said, I, I told you the other day, if God gave me $75, I'd give it to you. God just gave me $75. So come on down and pick it up. You'll know tonight when your family sits down to a nice warm meal for the first time in a long time, the needs of your family have been met, you'll know that the Lord Jesus has been exceptionally good to you. As I was going out the door, it's like God touched me on the shoulder. He said, Lonnie, I just wanted you to know, boy. Not only did I give that guy that $75, I paid you back your $24.99 hedge clippers all in one shot. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? I mean, God knows how to do this stuff. This is the work of God that you what? That you believe in him whom he has sent. That's what you do. God provides everything in the meantime. All you got to do is keep on believing that God is more than able and more than sufficient for you. Now, it starts little like that, nothing. Then God increases that when you believe him. December 99, wind chill factor, 20 degrees below zero in Lynch. That was a cold year. I go out the back door of our home. There sat two boxes on my back doorstep. I pick them up, took them in the house. Yelled at my wife, said, honey, you got to come see this. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know. Somebody left these two boxes on her, on her doorstep back here. She said, what's in the boxes? I said, I don't have a clue, but just in case it's a bomb, I want you down here with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going by myself. So we opened up these two boxes, and there were two 15-pound boxes of cookie dough. Cookie dough. Now, I don't know, men, if you know this or not, but you can't refreeze some cookie dough. Now, what are the chances that on my back doorstep would set two boxes of cookie dough, both boxes thawed out, and at 20 degrees below zero. You figure God's got to be up to something. 
So I look at my wife. I said, honey, what in the world are we going to do with 30 pounds of cookie dough? <laughs> she said, we're going to bake cookies. So we did. We baked cookies for days. Put them on these paper plates. It wasn't them styrofoam kind. It was them flimsy paper things that when you put it on there, they fall off. Most of your food does. That's kind we had. Wrapped them up in aluminum foil and put a bow on top. It was December. Man, we had a courier knives kind of moment. And we were walking up and down and knocking on the doors in Lynch, Kentucky. And here's what we said. According to the Appalachian Regional Commission, the unemployment in Lynch at that time was 53%. We'd knock on the door, and here's what we said. We just want you to know that God hasn't forgotten you this year. We don't know if you're going to get anything else or not, but the Lord wants us to come by and tell you that he still loved you. And if you don't get anything else, God wants you to have these cookies. And we gave all those cookies away. But it taught us a valuable lesson. Here it is. Everything God gives to you, sir, ma'am, Everything God puts at your disposal is just cookie dough. Now, it may take on a million forms. It might look like a new car, look like a new home. It might look like a farm, RV, four-wheeler, race car, racehorse, million things. But it's all cookie dough. And the moment you get it, you decide on one of two things. You're going to use it for me or you're going to use it for God. And the moment you decide that you're going to use it for you, you cut off your supply more cookie dough, or you can have more stuff, but now you'll spend the rest of your life trying to pay for that which God wants to give you all the time. So it's up to you. God will let you do either. So we decide we're just going to, whatever we had, we give to God, and that's it. Whatever he wants, he can have. I love horses. Always have, always will. And when I was in Mississippi, I had the good fortune of buying a horse. We had a riding club. And when I went back to Lynch, I took my horse along. I'm just telling you how believing God is real. It can be just as real in you. I'd ride my horse up and down beside the road and exercise her every day. I would do that. And cars started pulling off. Kids started sitting on the hoods of the cars watching me exercise my horse. And one day there were 12 automobiles, 30 kids on the hood of those cars. It was amazing. Your own congregation right there immediately. And God said to me, why don't you go let them ride this horse? I thought, what a novel idea. So I go riding up, ask the parents if they could ride. I start riding kids on horses, tell them about Jesus, and they started giving their heart to Christ. Not only kids, but teenagers and parents, and everybody was coming. They, people calling me, you need another horse? Now I'm up to four horses. I'm riding a whole bunch of people on horses. And, and God just, now what am I doing? I'm just exercising my horse. And what is a horse? It's just cookie dough. And uh, I said, Lord, this will make a great ministry, but I have no idea how to do this. And he said, well, I do, and I'll show you. And so this guy came by and said, Lonnie, I'm impressed with what God has done in our teenagers. Both of them came to know Christ here, and God's done a wonderful work, and I, I want to help you. I said, well, I'm pretty good, and I don't need any help. He said, well, you need some land to put these horses on. I said, I'm in pretty good shape. So he comes back in a couple weeks and said, I bought you a 20-acre farm today. I said, say what? He said, I bought you a 20-acre farm. Now, I live right in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. The highest point in Kentucky is Big Black Mountain. We live right at the base of that. If you look out the windows of our home, everything you see is a mountain. And so I'm thinking, this guy bought me 20 acres right up on the side of this mountain. And my horse is going to look funny with two short legs and two long legs trying to <laughs> climb around that mountain. But when I went and looked at it, it was just as flat as the sanctuary floor. Amazing. And uh, God began to uh, send us a young seminary student, and uh, he's been with us now, I don't know, eight years or more. 
And uh, <clears throat> now we have 60 acres. We have 22 horses. And I remember the first camp we had. We had eight kids in camp. He came to me and said, uh, what do we do to get more people into camp? I said, you asked the wrong question. The question is, would you be satisfied if God gave you eight people for the rest of your life that you could pour your life into that they could become what God wanted them to be? Isn't that what Jesus did? Just poured his life into them so they could become that. And he came back and said, I I'm satisfied now. I believe that God, if God gave me one, I would be happy. And this year, we will have over 3,000 people come through that program hearing about Jesus. Isn't that just like God? And you know how that all started? started from one horse. I didn't ask anybody for land. I didn't ask anybody for horses. I just said, Lord, you had a novel idea, and so I'm going to follow you in the idea. And I believe Jesus can do the impossible. I believe Jesus can do the impossible right here with you. Let me tell you one more thing, and then I'll be through. Tell you one more thing. There's a guy who came to Lynch, Kentucky on a mission trip. Came in my office sat down. He said, I need to talk with you. He said, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. Two things I want to know if you tell me that. Number one, what is it you do? Because I believe God is preparing you, sir, all of your life for your final assignment. Maybe you're not there yet, but God's in the process of training you so you will be there. And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm a shrimper down off the coast of Hilton Head. My grandfather was a shrimper. My dad was a shrimper. He left me these two boats and now I catch shrimp for a living. I said, man, that's awesome. First time I ever met a real life Forrest Gump. I mean, it was cool. <laughs> You'll get that in a few minutes. But anyway, I said, second thing, uh, what's God put in your heart? I might ask you that question today. And then when I asked him that question, he began to cry. And he said, you know, two years ago when I went down after church, checked on my boats, I looked out over the ocean and I saw all those sailboats out there. And God spoke to me that day and said, I want you to get a sailboat, and I want you to go out there on that ocean, and I want you to tell people about me. Man, he was excited about what the Lord had said, so he goes and tells his pastor, Pastor, let me tell you what God said. The pastor said, man, that's a great idea, but we're behind in our budget, which is pretty typical. And a uh, great idea, but we're behind in our budget, and we just can't see any way to do that. So he goes to his director of mission, says the same thing, same response. Got a question to ask you. Is God ever behind in his budget? No. God ever run out of money? No. Uh, you, you just got to know what God's up to. He'll supply what he wants. He may not supply what you want, but he'll supply everything he wants every single time. So I said, man, I, I believe that God has placed this in your heart, and I do not believe that God would place this in your heart and frustrate you, and two years later, you're sitting in my office crying about something God told you two years ago. I believe that God's going to answer your prayer, and I will pray with you. So we prayed that day, and he went on back down to Hilton Head, South Carolina. A couple of weeks later, I get a call from Knoxville, Tennessee. This friend of mine says, Lonnie, I know you're going to think this is a strange request. So I know there's no water up there in Lynch, Kentucky, but you wouldn't happen to need a sailboat, would you? Now, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> this is all documented stuff. And uh, I said, no, I don't need a sailboat, but I know just the guy who does. So they brought me up a 24-foot catamaran. You know what one of those things are? I didn't even know. Got these two big pontoons, had a big thing across the thing, and had a 20-foot mast on it. That was a sight to see in Lynch and no water. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I called this guy up. I said, man, uh, God's answered your prayer. He said, what do you mean? I said, I got a sailboat sitting out here in, my, in the driveway of our retreat center. 
There was silence on the other end. He said, now, you know I don't have any money for that sailboat. I said, oh, you don't need money for this one. You can come and buy without price because God has provided it for you. And now off the coast of Hilton Head, somewhere, there's a first ever sailboat church because God put it in the heart of a man. The man believed God, and God supplied what he needed. 